Turn with me to Romans chapter 12. I'm going to uh, say a few words from Romans 12, just some uh, exhortations, a few, as we uh, plant another mission and as we continue this mission and enlarge our own mission at Fort Worth Press. And these have to do with how we regard one another, both regard one another in each church and then regard each church as well. But you'll see from the the handout that um, I want us to end with just being encouraged. I basically went through, I added some, but uh, other passages, but just looked up the word may, M-A-Y, in my uh, concordance. And it's may God do such and such. May God do this. May God do that. And I thought it would encourage us, uh, promises to us. So we're going to read some from uh, Romans 12, verses 9 and following. I'm not going to comment on all of this passage, but just a few things from it. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would encourage us and equip us. And Lord, from your word, that you would exhort us. We pray that you would continue to build us up in Christ. For your glory and honor, we pray. Amen. One of my favorite theologians uh, is Calvin. Yes, Calvin and Hobbes, right? For instance, I can only give one or two because of time this morning. But Calvin is on a swing, and you know the big bully guy that looks like a gargantuan, you know, half-monster guy comes up and says, Hey, wimp, get off the, the, the swing. Yeah, but I was here for... And then he just pulls him, knocks him into the dirt, right? And he's just in a little heap of, of dirt. And he says, It weakens a person's religion when certain people are not immediately incinerated by a lightning bolt. (laughs) Ever felt that way? Yes, yes. But the one I want to uh, underscore is uh, that I I think may apply to many of us. It certainly does me. Here's Calvin at Christmas again. And, of course, at every Christmas, you see it every year in the series, he's trying to be good for once. He's trying to be good so he can get a lot of presents. So Hobbes is kind of his conscience, and he is resisted again and again hitting Susie Durkins with a snowball, right? Because that would ruin everything. would lose all his presents if he hit Susie Durkins with a snowball. So he's just fought with himself, and he's resisted, and he's resisted, and he's, he, he goes back and forth in his head, and he won't do it, and he wants to but he won't do it and finally as he's doing this Susie hits him with a snowball so here he is completely covered in snow you know his form is there but he's completely snow and he's rejoicing 
See, he's rejoicing. Sweet freedom, sweet revenge. Now I can justify it in hitting her. Now I have pleasure. I throw a snowball. You know, he's just exulting in the fact that he can do it without any recourse, any uh, judgment. And Hobbes says, I bet Santa would really be impressed if you didn't throw it now. So in the last frame, he's just raging. He says, I don't want to be that good. (laughs) So I think maybe that that captures some of the way we feel. You know, we know know in the history of the church, we know what church planting is. We know how effective it is in winning people for Christ. We know how important this is to put another church and then another and another. But sometimes we just think, I don't want to be this good. You know, not that we think we're being good, but we just don't want to be, we don't want to sacrifice this much. We don't want to give up such friendships. We're not giving them up absolutely, of course, but not seeing someone every Sunday is, is a struggle. So in the midst of this, I would like for us to consider just a few things here from Romans 12. I need focus, you know, at a time like this. I need focus. So the first thing I'll say from here, and I'll draw some other parts of it, but I love this phrase, outdo one another in showing honor. Let that be a a focus for you. This word outdo one another is used most of the time in the Old Testament for leadership, leading the way, going before someone. So the idea is take the lead in showing honor to one another. And here I'm thinking of us as two separate churches, each church taking the lead in showing the honor to the other church, okay? Going before uh, other translations... Give preference to one another. Let us give preference to each church. Let us honor each church above ourselves. Or another translation is take delight in honoring one another. Take delight in honoring the other church. Excel or be the best in honoring. Prefer one another. Honor one another with eagerness. These are the translations. This is the idea with eagerness and delight to bring honor to the others. To stay away from jealousy and being threatened and bitterness or feeling sorry for ourselves in either way. And this means that we will therefore speak well of one another, right? And when someone asks you about the other church... You speak of how wonderful they are and how sad it was to leave them or how sad it was to see them go rather than, you know, the little things that could be said maybe. Well, you need to think about this and you don't need to, um, all those kinds of things. It means that we will refrain from judging one another, as we've said before. It means we'll refrain from trying to pedestal ourselves. Well, we do so-and-so more. We do this a little better. What? No, no, let's prefer one another in honor. Let's speak honorably of one another. That means that in verse 16, you see that we'll live, therefore, in harmony with one another. That's how we'll live in harmony with each church as we honor one another. And it means, as he says here, that we will pray. We will pray for one another. Enlarge the circle of your prayer. And that would mean as well in verse 16 that we'll rejoice with one another in our prayers, right? We'll rejoice in the good things that are happening in each church. We'll weep with the sad things that are happening in each church. We enter into each other's lives. We bear one another's burdens. We honor one another. And we seek to outdo one another in honor. Secondly... He says, let love be genuine. Have a sincere, real love. This phrase where he says, love one another with brotherly affection, one translation enlarges this and says, let the genuine love that is within your heart come out and express itself in every way. 
genuine affection and love for one another. Meaning then, verse 13, that we will contribute, we will give of our wealth to each of the churches because we love sincerely. We don't just love in word, but we love and we're all in with even our possessions. We show hospitality. We open up our homes. We uh, love to have people in. We adjust our uh, schedules and like so that people are in our home. Another one here that's so important and an, an indication of sincere love where he says, associate with the lowly. Let that be a focus of your life. Sometimes we are thinking only in terms of what church will I have the best associations with? Which church has the best friends or this or that that I want to be a part of? And I would urge you to be thinking, oh, Lord, use me that I might minister to the lowly wherever you might send me, that I'd be willing to give of myself to those who are outsiders, those who perhaps are difficult, those who are weak. For you have shown such love to me. And in this way, with genuine love, be open to new relationships. That's definitely a call in this, to be open to new relationships. And the difficulty will be I'm losing Sunday-to-Sunday relationships. Not losing them, absolutely, but I'm losing that Sunday-to-Sunday relationship And the tendency would be, well, I'm just shutting down. I'm not doing this again. I'm not having to open myself up to more relationships all over again. But I would say God's calling you and calling us to open yourself up to new relationships, to give yourself away for people who need relationships. And you do this with the expectation that Christ will meet you there. He will enrich you. He will water you. He will comfort you. He will reveal himself to you as you give yourself to others and realize that God would not be providing this opportunity unless you needed this yourself. So you're, you're not coming from your high horse and benefiting others uh, so much as you're submitting to the medical care of God. You're submitting to his prescriptions You're submitting to be healed and renewed and strengthened and nourished by him as you give yourself to these relationships that he's calling you to. So you realize that as he's going, as I do this, this is how he will transform me, bringing more beauty into my life, more conformity to his uh, gracious character. And I urge you to do this with gratitude. Even as you mourn and not seeing certain friends every Sunday. And remember, real love hopes and believes in the goodness of God as it gives itself away. That's the good news of the gospel. Where we get to in the gospel is having faith in the goodness of God. That he works all things together for good. That he freely gives me all good things, as Paul says in Romans 8. And he never fails to do that. So real love is not martyr love, it's not self-pity love, it's not feeling sorry for itself love. It is a love that gives itself away expecting the richness and goodness of God in it with gratitude and joy. I love Galatians 5, 6. We know this verse pretty well that faith works itself out in love or expresses itself by love. That's just what faith does. As we entrust ourselves and recognize the goodness of God, this activates love. It awakens love. It enlivens love. It puts love into gear, sets it in motion. It kindles it and stirs it up. And so he says, rejoice in hope, right? That's the context for our love. We're rejoicing in hope of what God will do for us. And as he says in verse 11, that we'll not be slothful in zeal, we'll be fervent in spirit. Not be slothful in our zeal to reach out and to give ourselves away in the new situation God would call us to so that faith genuinely produces love. And I'm just going to mention these two things before we go to our sheet. But 
remember, uh, we've, we've talked about honoring one another, loving one another. Thirdly, just briefly, think of his purpose to glorify himself. We've sung a, a lot about that and his kingdom. I love that uh, passage in John 12 where Jesus cries out to God and says, glorify yourself. And he says, I have glorified myself and I will glorify myself. The, the voice from heaven. He will glorify himself. He will. And that's our heart. That's our desire. He will bring honor to his name. In that we rejoice. We heard Martin Ban, the new president for a Redeemer Seminary, speak at Presbytery Saturday morning. And he was talking about the sower and the seed and how the sower is the Father and the seed is Christ the Word. And the Father is always sowing Christ the Word in place after place after place. We're simply trying to multiply that opportunity for that Word to be spread. And so think of His purpose to glorify Himself and to make His Son known. He will do that. And finally, I have to say, I'm grateful for the reason of our separation. We should be grateful and yet humbled, not in pride. Anyone who thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10. And he says to the Gentiles in regard to the Jews, do not become proud, but rather fear, be in awe and be humbled. And we must stand strong against the schemes of the devil, his pride and jealousy and bitterness and discouragement and despair. But at the same time, in all of this, grateful that we've planned this. It's not due to hatred, animosity. It's not people walking away in bitterness. It's not, by God's grace, moral failure of leaders. It's by His grace that we are even separating as we are. We thank God as we continue to pray. Keep us and protect us, for we will fall apart from your grace. Join me in this sheet, then. You see the categories. I would like for you to read the italics, or as we say in Alabama, italics, okay? But we have these sections that just try to pull together common verses that speak of these things, abounding in good, abounding in God's love, etc. So together, let's read 2 Corinthians 9 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then Colossians. And so from the day we heard, we've not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Together now. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace. Comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, 
by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And then these next two sections, basically following 1 John 4, we love because he first loved us. So we first abound in his love, and then we abound in love for one another. So Ephesians 3, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit and your inner being, so that Christ may, be, may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. And then Philippians, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent. And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, abounding in knowledge. And notice how this knowledge uh, concerns the great things he does for his people. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places? And more on knowledge. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. And we close with hope and peace. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way The Lord be with you all, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely 
And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Now to him who's able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Amen. Now there will be a time by God's grace in the future where we will, the Presbyterian itself will install Brian as pastor of the church when it is particularized as a church. But we still wanted to commission him as elders and in a way commission the whole of Trinity as you go forth. And so I'll invite the, uh, for Brian and the elders to come forward, please. Let us pray. Oh, Father, it is with joy and sadness, but joy that overcomes our sadness, that we send our brother, Jeanette, and these boys, and this group of people to begin this work for the glory of God in Jesus Christ. Oh, Lord. We pray that you would sustain our brother with hope and joy and shalom. We pray that he will know your presence, that he will know your favor, that your faith, that you would give him great faith, great expectancy. And when he faces difficulties, as he will, of whatever sort, we pray that he will fold himself in your embrace And he will rest in the great and good God. That you will be a fortress to him, a high tower to him. That he will hide himself in the shadow of your wings. You will uphold him with your righteous right hand. And that when he is weak, you will make him strong. The wings of an eagle. We pray for faithfulness in his preaching. We pray for excellence in it. We pray for joy. We pray for your word to go forth with great power and conviction. We pray that your people will be built up in Christ, equipped in Christ, nurtured and comforted in Christ. We pray that you will call many, many, many people, Lord, to Jesus Christ through the preaching of the word at Trinity. We pray through the whole ministry of the church, through the kindness and love and servanthood and hospitality and sacrifice of the whole church, that they will seek to to rescue the lost, that they will seek to reach their neighbors, their associates, those with whom they go to school, those who are in their community. We pray, O Lord, that you would use them in the greatest way possible to draw others to Jesus Christ. But we pray as well that you will build a fellowship to which people can be called, Lord. A community of love and light, of humility, of reaching the lowly, of concern for every member. We pray for harmony and beauty and a giving of themselves away to one another. This community to which, Lord, you would call others out of darkness, into the light of Jesus Christ, experienced firsthand as the love of God demonstrates itself within this fellowship. May love reign supreme in their fellowship and spill out to embrace so many others in the community, founded always on the rich and precious gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. O Lord, exalt yourself, lift up your name, Bring honor, O Lord, to Jesus Christ. 
We look to that day when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And yet, Lord, we want to see countless people, people from every tribe and tongue and nation, to be drawn to Jesus Christ to confess his name. And Lord, use us that in the future, by your grace, we might plant church after church that literally thousands upon thousands through our ministry, not to mention the other ministries of Christ in this city, would draw so many to yourself. Oh, Lord, do a great work in our city and use us as a part of that. For your glory and honor, we pray. Amen. No bro hugs there. Those are real hugs. Um, one of the things that, uh, that I love about doing weddings is that uh, you get to be at the rehearsal dinner the night before. And um, what you get to see as that happens are... Um, family members and friends, siblings, saying what are some of the most important things, in some cases probably that have, ever, that have even been said directly um, to another person, to a family member. You get to look in on what that, what that is and what their relationship has been. And this feels, uh, this feels like that to me. And... Um, I have the opportunity to express to you all, Fort Worth Presbyterian Church, uh, what you have meant to me and to my family over the last 14 years. And so, um, this isn't as much a charge, although I do, I will charge and call you, Fort Worth Pres, to something at the end, um, as it is an opportunity for me to express to the Lord my profound gratitude to Him for you. And so I want to look at Paul's letter to the Philippians, and uh, you can open up to this, Philippians chapter 1. We've already read a couple of these verses. It's page 980. And I want to look at verses 3 through 11. This is Paul's prayer for the Philippians. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from this day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace." both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. We pray for us. Father, we pray that the words of my mouth and meditations of all of our hearts together would be pleasing and honoring, glorifying to you, our Lord, our Rock, our Redeemer, the one in whom we have life, the one who is everything to us. We pray through this Christ. Amen. There are two, two parts of Paul's prayer. Uh, there's a prayer of thanks and a prayer for love, and that's what I want to communicate to you this morning. So first, a prayer of thanks, a prayer of gratitude. If you look back at this passage, this is really verses 3 through 8. Paul's prayer is saturated with thanksgiving and with joy. And if you're familiar with Paul's letter to the Philippians, you know that that, that is a, a major theme of the whole letter. He, he mentions joy over 16 times in his letter. And it just drips with that kind of love and affection.
for this community of people. Why is it? Well, it's because in God's kindness, Paul had a, a significant shared history with the church at Philippi. Uh, it goes back to Acts 16, where, where Paul and Silas had come into the town of Philippi because the Holy Spirit had called them to Macedonia. And so this is the place where they go out to this river where there are a group of, of believing Jewish people there because there probably weren't enough for a synagogue. And Lydia is there. And this is that great scene where Lydia's heart is opened by the Lord as Paul proclaims this word. And then Paul has the opportunity to baptize her and the whole of her household. And then it's this place where Paul and Silas are then imprisoned for casting out this demon from a fortune-telling slave girl, which is just kind of standard ministry sort of stuff. And then they see, though, that, that this miraculous uh, deliverance from this prison. And you remember the Philippian jailer who was going to kill himself because of it, but came to know Jesus because of their work with him. And then he has the opportunity to baptize this jailer and the whole of his household. And those two households, this small group of people, make up what was really the, the beginnings of the first church plant in Europe. He loves these people. And so later on, when Paul is imprisoned in Rome, which is the place from which he's writing this letter to them, the Philippians had been supporting his ministry in all sorts of ways, but it's not just a financial sort of support. This is an intimate partnership in the gospel with him. They had shared ministry. Their stories had intertwined in God's providence in a, in a beautiful way such that Paul writes to them in, what, in a way and in a tone that he doesn't with any other church. And so because of all this, he says things like, I hold you in my heart. He's, he's affectionate towards them. They've shown their love for him, and now he has this opportunity to show their love, show his love for them. This is why I chose this passage because I want to express to you my gratitude to the Lord for all that he has done in and through you to me. And I'm grateful to Jesus that he is at the center of the stories of our lives that have intertwined and that has made all the difference. So why I'm grateful to you. I'm grateful for the way you've loved me and my family. Fort Worth is the first, uh, was the place where we spent the first five years of our married life together. It's the place where our two oldest sons were born. And I'm grateful to have watched so many of you as families model to Jeanette and me what it looks like to follow Jesus as families. And to be instruments of God in our lives in that way. Jeanette and I are both from Kansas City, but we tell people that Fort Worth is our home, and it's because of you. I'm grateful to you all for the opportunity to have served as the youth director for those five years as well, as I learn what it means to do ministry. I'm grateful for a session who sought me out, who included me and cared for me during those years. I'm grateful that you supported us when we went out from here to do RUF at Purdue in the way that you all supported us and your love of the gospel that, that spilled in, into our ministry in Indiana to students that you have never met and probably will never meet until glory. And yet you supported us and you were with us in the midst of that. We were grateful to have this be a place of rest, that coming back here to visit was, was home and it was a, a family to us a thousand miles away. I'm grateful for Darwin and for Kay. I'm thankful for the mentor that you have been and continue to be to me. I'm grateful for your tremendous love and your humility that characterizes the whole of your ministry. I'm grateful for you showing me what it looks like to love people and to love the Word of God. I'm grateful for your sense of humor. I texted my brother this morning. My brother lived next to Darwin and Kay in a rental house while he was in college at TCU. And so they had had a pretty significant festivity one night there. 
And so there were these, uh, there were an obnoxious number of leftovers from said party that was out near their curb and near their, uh, near their recycle bin that was overflowing. And so, uh, so Darwin uh, wrote this note. This was in the first year that they were here. And so these guys all came. I mean, they were part of the church and knew Darwin in case some, but it was still early on. And so Darwin had written this note to them and put it on their door. Um, and it was, uh, and so I asked, I asked my brother, I texted him this morning, I said, what, what was that in all that note that Darwin had written? And he, he described it this way. He said, it was long and poetic. The first three-fourths of it made me think we were in trouble. Sweet pastoral Darwinian scolding. <laughs> then the last fourth of it ended with him saying, we better be invited to the next party. I'm grateful for the way that you've embodied servant leadership and shown me what it looks like to wade into difficult and painful situations to minister the love and grace of the gospel. I'm grateful for your willingness to live what you preach. We, Jeanette and me and our family, are so grateful to you both to have been included in the life of your family over the last 14 years. To have been a part of the good things and the hard things, and to have you be a part of the good things and hard things in our own life. You two have loved us incredibly well, and we are grateful to God for you. I'm grateful to you all, Fort Worth Presbyterian, that you are our sending church. I'm grateful that we are sent out as those from among you who have tasted the goodness and grace of Jesus in this place and have the opportunity now to go minister that same love and grace in a different part of our community. I'm grateful that you are my church family and that I am a product of you. That my DNA is Fort Worth Presbyterian Church. I'm excited and I'm sad. I'm sad because I'm grateful and because I love you all. And I think that's the right way to feel. So this part of Paul's letter resonates with me because this is the sort of affection and sort of gratitude that I have for you. And so I want to offer this secondly to you. And that's a prayer for love in verses 9 through 11. What Paul does in this section is that he prays for the Philippians that their love would abound more and more. And what's important about this and what's obvious if you look at it is that there was a tremendous amount of love that was present in this congregation from the start. And so what Paul isn't praying is that God would bring about love in a place where there wasn't any. He's praying instead that this love that is, that is tangible in this community would abound more and more. That it would increase. And that's what I pray for you all as well. That your love would abound all the more. That in the words of the Apostle John, you would come to know and believe the love that, you, that God has for you. And that as you drink deeply of the love and affection that God has for you, that love would spill over into your love for one another. But that's not all that I pray for in terms of your love as a congregation because it's not just that you would enjoy that love of God or that even just that you would love one another, but that it's actually by that love that so characterizes this community because of the work of Jesus by and through His Spirit, that by that love that you have for one another, we will see more and more people come to know Jesus as they come in contact with this love. And this is what Jesus prays for the night before his crucifixion that John records for us in chapter 13 when he says that, that it is by this, loving one another that is, that all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So your love for one another that, that I and that we and all that are a part of Trinity who will go to this other location is possible only when Jesus is the center of a community, and that is what has happened here. It shows forth that the gospel is true. 
that it's real, that Jesus is Lord, and what his word says is true. Bring people into that love. Extend that love to other people. Allow people in these apartments and in these neighborhoods and in this whole growing part of Fort Worth to taste, see, experience this love of Jesus that is possible only if the gospel is true. You are a living testimony to the truth of the gospel. And as this proclamation of this gospel will continue to come forward from this pulpit for years and years and years to come, my call, my charge, my prayer for you is that you continue to embody that love that is so present here. To embody that message and show it forth. Because when people get a taste of that, they'll come to know and believe the Savior, the one who is the source of that as well. God is at work in this church And he will continue to be at work in this church. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. And so verses 9 through 11. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ the glory and praise of God, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. May we bow our heads and pray. Gracious Lord, how bountiful your blessings, how infrequent our miseries, for you are indeed faithful. Your mercies are renewed unto us daily. Impoverished as we were by sin, grace has enriched us by that self-sacrificing one, crowned Lord of all, our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, on this celebratory yet sad day, we give thanks for this family, Fort Worth Presbyterian. Though tears are being shed and our emotions frail, we are thankful that we have worshiped together and fellowshiped with one another as a family. And now we will say goodbye to our church family as we have known it. We've embraced the vision and mandate to proclaim the gospel, but it's painful to say our goodbyes. We praise you that we're parting as friends and colleagues of the gospel, simply called to labor in another part of our Lord's vineyard. Though some will part from this place of nourishment, growth, and maturity, we do not part from the faith once delivered to the saints. Some depart from this place, but not from our hearts, not from our thoughts, not from our prayers, our love, or support. Parting from this place, but still vitally joined in our mission and purpose, which is to lift high the cross. The Eagle, Fort Worth Presbyterian, has stirred her nest. And now this new vibrant congregation, Trinity Presbyterian Church, is spreading her wings, well prepared for the challenges that lie ahead in the work of God's kingdom. Lord, may she soar through cloud-filled skies even as she soars through cloudless ones. Give her sharp vision and tenacity in the work of the Lord. O God, be her every provision. Feed her that she may be strong. And may Fort Worth Presbyterian continue to be strong in the faith that we may multiply, that we may send others out into a lost world with the gospel. Faithful Lord, though we know not the future, we're standing firmly on the promises of God. 
kind Savior, may your church everywhere prosper, having been generously endowed with necessary gifts and talents for nourishment, growth, and development. Father, we beg of you to protect your sheep. Guard us from error. Keep us from vanity and pride. You said you would draw close to us if we would draw close to you. So please bend towards us. Stoop down and hear us as we ask for your help. Lord, your children are praying. We're stranded on your sovereignty and we pledge to wait until you come. Lead on, O King Eternal. Jesus, we pray for our families and especially our children who have or are to begin another school year. We pray for their ultimate success through patience and endurance. Give them, O Lord, good understanding. Encourage them with good friends and supportive families. Bless our parents with patience and wisdom and the necessary resources to support their children in their learning. And Lord, we pray earnestly for teachers and administrators in our schools. We ask that you help them in their difficult responsibilities. May they feel supported and appreciated by us as parents. And may they have the necessary resources to be successful. Father, we pray for any sick among us. We pray for our sister Carol. We pray for Dorothy Bantow. Others that perhaps have escaped our minds but are firmly in our hearts. You're the only physician that can truly heal. And God, our eyes up are, are upon you. Move us, stir our hearts and souls, even in the furtherance of this service. Lord, you walk your disciples to the edge of Bethany, raised your hands and blessed them. Lord, you've taken us as far as we should go as one congregation. Please do for us as you did for your disciples then. Bless us. Keep us. And may your face shine upon us. And it is in the name of the high King of heaven, our Lord Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen.